Let's pray. Thank you so much, Father, that you do love us and that you have done it all. So often we, we forget that we are new creations. Lord, especially uh, when we encounter the sin that so easily trips us up and entangles us, we forget that, that we are in you greatly blessed, perfectly blessed, and made new. Thank you so much, Father, that you have done that. Thank you so much, Father, that you have recreated us. Thank you that we are no longer under the dominion of sin, that sin no longer has control over us, that you live in us, that you teach us to say no to ungodliness, that you give us of your power to live in this world, in this age, until the day when you make us new and give us glorious sinless bodies to match our glorious, sinless new person that we are in you. We long for that day, Jesus. And now, as we live in this world, we pray that we would know you. Because we still live in this world. We still live in a world that is broken. We still live in a world with, with broken habits of ourselves. We still live in a world with with sin inhabiting us like parasites. May we know you. Lord, as Mark said, there is no pill that can cure this. The cure for death is life. The cure for life here is life with you. You are all that we need. May we know you. May we not just know about you, Lord, because knowledge about you without knowing you is dead, dead making. Because you are so beyond us. May we know you. Holy Spirit, don't let us leave this place without knowing that you know us and that you are for us and that who we are in Christ is who we shall be in every aspect of our soon. And help us with your strength to live that even today. Amen. So Paul has uh, blessed God for blessing us with every spiritual blessing. I'm, I'm sorry if I keep going on about that, but isn't that amazing? Every spiritual blessing. And we said last week, it's one of those things that's often as Christians we go, oh Father, would you just, we need a blessing from you. We need we need you to, to bless us with your spirit. We need you to bless us with, with this because, because our life isn't fantastic. And Paul says, you, you guys are nuts. God's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Isn't he fantastic? And then he goes, yeah, but how come you guys are still asking? And I think this is maybe what Paul's thinking because he goes, wow, God, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great, you're great. And he looks and he thinks about the people he's writing to and he goes, I've heard so much about you. I've heard how you trust in Jesus. I've heard uh, in most manuscripts or some manuscripts, Paul says also, I've heard about how you love other Christians. He says the same thing in Colossians. That's what Paul says. He says, it's so great. God has done this awesome thing. You trust him. You love other Christians. But... God, let them know you. Let them know you. 
God. Open their eyes to himself. Now it doesn't come up uh, in uh, the New Living Translation and some of the translations. Verse 15 just says, ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord. But actually if you look uh, at, at the Greek and at some translations, the English Standard Version I think does it. Um, the very first word of verse 15 is the word because. Has anyone got a Bible with because or for that reason? Yes. Can you read out verse 15 for us, please, John? For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Fantastic. We'll carry on what Paul wants to say afterwards. But, but the point is that what Paul is praying for the Christians that he's writing to, and I think we can co-opt his prayer definitely, what Paul is praying is on the basis of what God has done. So Paul's saying God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He has adopted you. He has saved you. He has perfected you in Christ. He has made you into new creation. He has decided that you are going to be with him forever. That, that you're going to enjoy him. That you're going to, to be there when Jesus is crowned Lord of all. He has done this. You are 100% in Christ. Wonderful. You're seated with him in the heavenly realms. Isn't that incredible? And Paul says, because of that. Because you are in Christ, because you're in Him, I want you to know God. And some of us would go, okay, Paul, that's a little bit strange. We are in Christ, who is God, and then all of a sudden you go, know God. Well, what's he on about? Well, what does Paul say explicitly there? He says, know the Father, know God. We saw last week, uh, Peter says this in, uh, I think it's 1 Peter 2.9, that we share in the very divine nature of God. Paul wants us to know God better. Um, one of the commentaries, a guy called Wiersbe, says, uh, when we are Christians, when we become Christians, we are born rich. And I like that. And Paul's just spent 14 verses last week saying how rich we are in Jesus. And now he says, for goodness sake, realize it. He says, God, don't just let them be rich. Let them live that out. Let them know how rich they are. And it's, it's not how rich they are. It's really how rich you are because they are yours and and. They, you are their inheritance and, and they have an inheritance from you. So let them know you. Let them know your riches for them through Jesus. Keep showing who you are to them. So that we can live out of who our Father is. And Paul says there, uh, he prays, um, I've not stopped thanking God for you. So he's like, God, this is incredible. This is wonderful. But I also, I pray for you. I want more for you. I pray for you constantly. I ask God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in the knowledge of God. Uh, probably a, a better way to translate that more literally is in the footnote, if you've got the living, New Living Translation, it says there, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. 
Now Paul is not saying, God, thank you that they trust you, that they love you. Now would you give them your spirit? Because he's just said, I don't know how many times I'm going to say this today, but he's just said in verses 1 to 14, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and we've received the spirit as a seal of who we are. That's the last few verses of verses 1 to 14. Paul says, God, would you buy your spirit that you have already given to these Christians, to the people in Ephesus and to us now, would you buy that spirit, show more of who you are to your people? And not just in terms of a list of things that we know about God, but actually knowing God. Imagine you are a woman. Some of you, this is going to be easier than for others. I suppose you can imagine you're a man as well. You're overseas. You come from Turkmenistan. And you meet and marry an Aussie. I can't, Reg is shaking his head at me. A real Aussie with a real Aussie accent. And you get married. And you get the letter from the government saying, you are now an Australian citizen. Woo! Wonderful! You know, until you arrive in Australia, you're not going to really be an Australian, are you? But the longer you spend with your husband or your wife, who is an Australian, the more you realize what it means to be an Australian, and the more you become an Australian. Of course, the difference where this analogy breaks down is that we don't make... Jesus more like us. We just become more like him. Our world says know yourself. Paul says no. What matters for Christian is not so much know yourself, but know your God. And by the way, he defines you now. So if you know God, you're going to know yourself. Because you share in his divine nature, says Peter. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been adopted into the family. And the better we know God, the more satisfied our lives can be as we live in our freedom of being sons and daughters of the King. And in fact, Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse 3 when he was praying for his disciples and for those who would come after them, that includes us, Jesus said, uh, this is life. This is eternal life. What? To know you, Father, and to know me. And so if we know God, we know life. We have life. And, and the more we know God, the more we experience life. Does, does that make sense? It's, it's kind of like the proximity to God gives you life. And the more you know God, the more you, you experience it. And one day when He returns, we will see Him face to face and it will just be, wow, life. It's like those old, you know, the electric toothbrushes. You put it next to the charging station and nothing happens. You put it close to the charging station and all of a sudden, you can brush your teeth again. It's amazing. I love technology. I'm not quite sure it's maybe heretical to relate the gospel to a toothbrush. You know, the only way to know someone is to have them open up to us. And that's even more so with respect to God. I mean, we, we think we know God, but He is so much more than we can imagine. 
Wayne, there's a picture, the, the first one in the list. Can you put that up for us? This is the Hubble Extreme Deep Field uh, thingy, the jiggy. Do you see where it says XDF? Now, can you see, that's the moon, uh, Space Course 101. The moon is the big round thing in the corner. Somebody has helpfully labeled it moon. XDF stands for Extreme Deep Field. Now, can you see everything about that picture of the night sky? If I was to take that down, or let's do that, everyone just look at it for like 10 seconds. Okay, Wayne, can you just blank that out for us? Okay, close your eyes. <laughs> tell me about that picture. Tell me about how beautiful it was and how glorious it was. Can anyone tell me? You didn't think it was beautiful and glorious? Oh, I thought it was pretty beautiful and glorious. No color. But you, you know what it looks like, don't you? If, if you had to write down, yes, there was a big moon in the star, there's, there's probably about five stars along the bottom, a couple at the top, somebody wrote XDF on a piece of black bit of space. Let's have a look at the next picture one. Just above XDF, we couldn't see it on the screen there, there was a tiny little block. The Hubble Space Telescope zoomed in. I think this is 23 days they left the shutter on the camera, camera open. What you're seeing there is just a snippet of what to us looked like darkness. Some of those galaxies, and, and they're not all stars, the really bright ones with the, the lens flare effect, those are stars, the rest are all galaxies. Some of those galaxies are 32, I think I've got this right, 32 billion years old. That's how far away they are from us. Isn't that incredible? We thought, can we flick back to the first picture? When we look up at the night sky, you will see that. And you think you know what you'll see. But actually there's so much more depth there. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, God, you've blessed them with every spiritual blessing. And they think they know what it is to be your child. But all they're seeing is the stuff that's up close. There are infinite depths of your riches and your kindness and your mercy. Would you just keep showing yourself to them? And, and would you just keep letting them know you? So that, like, this first picture that we saw, oh, it's kind of nice, it's beautiful, the moon's amazing. But the more they see you, the more they go, wow. And if you want to look at that picture without it being washed out by, by the sun, because that happens as well, it's just vibrant color. Paul's saying, God, let them see you so closely and so clearly that they just go, Our God? That's our God? God, says Paul, let them know you. Not just surface level, but keep showing them to you. You see, Paul's writing to Christians. He says, you trust Jesus. You're loving each other. Wonderful. That's like, that's like for us, we, we look at someone who's loving God and loving people. We go, wow, you must be a really mature Christian. And Paul says, no, God, show them. 
Sorry, got a bit sidetracked there. Let's move on. One of the main things that the Spirit does is to show us and remind us and help us know what God has actually given us. Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 12, these words. We have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit. Why have we received the Spirit? We've received God's Spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Paul says, know God, and if you know God, you will understand what God has given to us. And he gives here in Ephesians, uh, I think, three main things that we really need to know about what God has given us. And the first of those is, Paul says, know the hope to which you were called. This is uh, the second part of verse 18. Paul says, God, would you open their eyes, the eyes of their heart, the spiritual eyes. Let them see beyond the darkness. Let them see the light that they cannot see, God. Let them see so that they can understand the hope that is ours. We live in a world where there is no hope. Or if there is hope, it's it's short. I, I, I hope to go on holiday next year. I hope to do this. But Paul says, no, think about God and you will come to understand the hope to which he has called you. Because really, we live in a world of sin and sin means that there are no happy endings in this world. Everyone dies. But God has called us and he has completely blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And and when God called us, and we saw last week he did this in eternity past, his call wasn't a purposeless or, or, or a random thing. God called us to belong to Christ Jesus. He called us to be in the fellowship of Christ Jesus. Uh, have a look quickly at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God will do this. What will he do? He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus returns. He will do this because he is faithful to do what he says and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's called us into partnership with Jesus. God has called us to the freedom of the holy ones, to be set apart, to be set free from the judgment of sin and and the judgment of the old law. He's he's called us to be united in Christ. He's 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 called us to to put up with each other in love. He's he's called us and said, you are in Christ. You're not only a new creature, you are also part of a new body. And everything is united in Christ. Ultimately, but you are the church and you are Christ's body. And he's called us to experience opposition with Christ. Can I have an amen? And he's called us to endure it. But this is what he's called us to. But, but ultimately what God has called us to is to glory. In Christ, God has called us to glory. And this is the prize which Paul speaks about in Philippians. He says, uh, I haven't reached there yet, but but I forget what's behind me. And I put my eyes on the prize that's ahead and I run for it. Because God has called me heavenward for this prize. I'm going there. 
God doesn't call us to play with our emotions. God calls us and says, come and share my own glory. And share it with each other, all who trust me forever. And you will have a full and satisfying life for all eternity. Romans 8.23, Paul says there, we too wait with eager hope the hope to which we were called. We wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies that He has promised us. What is the hope to which God has called us? Well, if God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, we've been made into new creations and we've been set free. The hope to which God has called us is being with Him, and not only being with Him, but being with Him in bodies that are no longer any way infected with sin and death and anything like that. To be with Him in perfection forever, isn't it going to be incredible? And Paul says, this is the hope to which you have been called. And I want you to know God, because if you know God, you know Him who has called you to that. And Paul says, I want you to know that hope so that we can live that hope out today. Back to that example where you married an Australian. You probably didn't speak a word of English. But you're excited about it. And you learn it and people will mock you as you learn it because you sound awful. It's like me trying to put in an Australian accent. It sounds terrible. But you do it because you know that's who you really are. Now one day, God's going to swap out your accent and make it really good. (laughs) God's going to give you this amazing new body where there is no more sin or decay or tears or anything horrible. I think what Paul knows is that the best way to drive out the pathogen of sin and sinful tendencies that we inherit, uh, that we still live with, is to set our minds on Christ Jesus and to set our sight on the fact that one day we will be with him and we will share a life like his completely with sinless new bodies to match our sinless new nature that God has given us in Christ Jesus. So you understand what hope is now, don't you? Absolutely. Isn't that fantastic? Wayne, could you put up that first picture again, please? I've covered that much. Enjoy finding out the rest. (laughs) There's another thing Paul wants us to know. Paul wants us to know how much God values us. You see, the more we know God, the more we realize how much he values us. Look look at what he says here. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can see, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now, you could translate that, and the the footnote puts it this way, uh, that you will understand the rich and glorious inheritance which is yours, which God has given to his holy people. And that's true. And Paul says exactly that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, that, that we get an incredible inheritance from God. 
which is a wonderful news. We've covered that a little bit last week as well. God is our portion. God is our, our heritage. But it's also true, and this, I don't know about you, but this can blow your mind. We are God's inheritance. We are God's portion. Uh, it's an Old Testament theme that carries through, of course, to the New Testament, that God's people are his inheritance. God looks on you and I as part of his great riches and as part of his glorious inheritance. Which probably means we need to get out the, uh, the brasso and clean things up a little bit. Isn't that true? No. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. He looks at us, he goes, wow, look at you guys, you were junk. And look at what I've made of you, isn't this incredible? And one day when he returns, we will be standing there and we'll be going, glory to God in the highest. Uh, not only peace on earth, but peace everywhere. You're incredible, God. And God goes, wow, I am so rich. I poured out so much for these guys. I poured out the blood of my only son, but look at the return. Look at the return. They were pathetic. And I don't remember it anymore. They're beautiful. They're amazing. God treats us out of who we will be. God thinks of us as in terms of who we will be. God doesn't look at us and go, you need more brasso. 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 Clean brasso. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I thought I last used it in South Africa 20 years ago. So just checking. God looks at us and sees us in terms of who we are in Christ, which is who we will be. And I love it. Just one example um, from the Old Testament, Judges 6 verse 12, Gideon, that, that great uh, judge of Israel. Uh, the enemies of Israel were attacking. And God sends a messenger to find him and say to him, you're going to go and you're going to set Israel free. Where does he find him? He finds him hiding in a wine press is great. The most cowardly of actions. And do you know what the, the messenger says to him? Greetings, man of great valor. Mighty man of valor. And God looks at you and he says, my My precious possession. And Paul says, God, would you show yourself to them so that they would understand how much you love them. And we see that most clearly in Jesus shedding his blood for us. But, but God's love doesn't stop there. God, God's going to enjoy us forever. God's going to have this big smile on his face when he looks at us. He's going to go, you just imagine the Trinity going there. Well, have you seen that Gloria? Isn't she incredible? I own her, you know. I paid a great price for her. And she's part of the family. It's wonderful. And, and talking of that, maybe the other member of the Trinity will reply, have you seen that Helen? Whoa! And then the other will go, whoa! Well, actually, have you seen Eric? Good thing eternity is eternal because this could go on for a while. We are God's 
if I'm offending you, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what God will, will do, but I know that he considers us his inheritance. The third thing that Paul wants us to know from knowing God, that, that he asks God for, is that we would know God's great power. And actually, if you look at this, uh, Paul like, goes, okay, how many words for power can I get? And he puts five of them into one sentence, like, the mighty energy of God's dynamic power is at work. And he says, I pray that you will understand all of this stuff. I pray that you will know the power of our champion, of our God. We live in a world where there are two great powers, powers which hold us prisoner and which we cannot overcome. And those are uh, mortality and evil. We cannot avoid death. We cannot eradicate evil. I, I guarantee you, if you try and be better, you will fail. In fact, the harder you try to do better, the more you will fail. Guaranteed. In fact, sin is really slippery. It's like a bar of soap. As soon as you think you got it over here, it slides out and you realize, okay, I've got a handle on that now, but this is over here now. You just can't eradicate it. But God has defeated both. God has defeated both. And as such, he can rescue us from both. Isn't that incredible? And I love that Paul's not going, okay, tell the new Christians this. Paul is saying, I heard about how much you love Jesus. I heard about how you trust him and how you love each other. I want you to know the power of God. The power, verse 20, that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. The power by which God seated him in the heavenlies above every other power that there can be. Where he sits with his feet on them. You know like the trophy hunters you see? I, I defeated this lion. Or I defeated this poor defenseless bunny rabbit. The difference is Jesus is standing there over every spiritual and human authority. And he's going, actually, I've won. Paul says, God, let them know how strong you are. Verse 22 to 23, Paul says, God's same power made Jesus Christ the head over all things. Listen to this. For the benefit of the church. For the benefit of the church. Let me just bring this down again. Jesus Christ, our Lord, God incarnate, has been given a place of authority over all authorities for the sake of this congregation and every other Christian congregation that there is. Isn't that incredible? Like I, I, you, you'd think God is given a place of authority because He's God and that's where He belongs. But no, God has done it for the sake of us. That's amazing. And right now, Hebrews 7, 25 uh, tells us that he is there interceding for us before God 
that he helps us today in our weakness because he is strong. Paul says, when I am weak, then you are strong. We, we know 1 John 2 verse 21 that, that he is our advocate before the Father. And right now we live in a world where there are still many enemies who, who don't like the fact that actually Jesus has already won in eternity. And right now they're struggling and they're striving and, and they would attack God and they hate God and they hate those who love God. And they would devour us and they would attack us and they would destroy us if they could. The, the enemy is prowling around. Ooh, that's loud. And the enemies of God are far stronger than you have the power to defeat. And it's stupid to try. There's a great story in the New Testament, if I may quickly digress. Uh, seven sons of Sceva. Have you heard of them? They, they went around going, wow, this casting out demons in the name of Jesus is incredible stuff. Let's do it! And they thought, well, we, we can, if, if Paul can do it, we can do it too. So they went out and they said, right, in the name, they found a guy with demon possession. They said, in the name of, of Jesus, who Paul preaches, get out. And the demon turned to them and said, I know Jesus. I know Paul. I have no idea who you are. And he stripped them naked and beat them up and they ran away. There's no way you're going to win. There's no way you can win. So isn't it incredible that God made Jesus Christ who is seated above every other authority, the head of the church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God, not because we are strong, but because our king is more than strong. Jesus fills the church, verse 23. And the church is the fullness of Christ who fills everything. As we think about what God has done in Christ, Paul says, God, by your Spirit, open our eyes to understand what it means for your power to be for us. You know, having the power of God is not about being able to do magic tricks. Although God in his power does do incredible things. Things that we go, wow. Healings, miracles. A lot of what God's power does happens away from public sight. He gives us the power to resist the devil. He gives us the power to say no. If we take it. It doesn't force it on us. Can we overcome sin? Two things. We don't have to because we're already a new creation. But what about the sin that's infesting these bodies of ours, that, that infests this world in which we live? We cannot overcome it except in Christ, who has already overcome it. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great, uh, I think it was Scottish preacher? Welsh? Welsh. Can't do Welsh accents either. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, said that the world constantly bombards us with its values. And he asks, how are we to be victorious over this world and the sin that still lives in our bodies? And the answer is, by the power of God, 
that we see displayed in the resurrection of Jesus. A power that, that transforms us as it renews our minds, Romans 12.2. A power that equips us to stand against the devil in all of God's might. And Paul's going to come to this in Ephesians chapter 6, which we'll look at next year. He, he says, stand strong, wearing the full armor of yours. No, wearing the full armor of God. God's power doesn't make us immune to persecution or danger or difficulty or death. But it does, says Paul in Romans chapter 8, 31 to 39, make us more than conquerors. No, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We can be victorious over Satan. James says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, we tend to remember the second half of that verse, don't we? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's not going to work unless you do the first thing. Submit to God. How do you resist the devil? With God's power. So you say, God, ah, and God goes. You going to try it on, Satan? If you try and, and resist the devil in your own strength, it's not easy. We who are in Christ have all of God's power directed at us and for us. We have God's power. We are already more than conquerors. And we can choose to live that way or not. And the more we know God, the more we come to realize that we have not only an incredible hope, not only does God love us so much, but we have a power to live in this world. Now we can choose to live that way, or we can choose to cower in abject fear, thinking we're bound for defeat, refusing to live out of who we really are. So many Christians do that. They've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. They have the abundance of God putting everything under Christ for them. I love how Paul goes and says, God, don't just say that. Let them know you. Because if we know him, we will live. And we'll be able to say with Paul what he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12. I know the one in whom I trust. And I'm sure, I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. <coughs> Brothers and sisters. God loves you. God has made you into a new creature. God is for you. We sing a song, if our God is for us, then who could stand against us? <laughs> Father God, 
our Father God. Thank you so much that you love us. Thank you that you are good to us and kind and gracious. Father, I pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might grow in our knowledge of you, God. Please flood our hearts so that we can see and understand the hope that you've given to us. Help us to understand that we are your holy people. Help us to understand that you look at us and think of us as your rich and glorious inheritance. And help us understand your power. Lord, keep us always remembering how you have demonstrated that in raising Jesus from the dead. Thank you that right now Jesus is seated at the place of honor at your right hand. Thank you that he sits above every rule and authority or power or leader or anything else. Now and forever. Thank you that you put everything under his authority. Thank you that you have made him head over all things. And thank you that you have done that for us. Thank you that we are your body, Jesus. Please, Father, make us realize that we are full and completed by Christ. May the day come when you are all in all. And may we live in your strength. Keep us safe, we pray. Amen.